Good evening. So you can turn, take. Okay. Let's take and turn in the same word. You can take your Bible and turn to Second Timothy, chapter one. All right, I'll open up in a word of prayer. Dear God, I just want to thank you so much for this portion of Scripture, God. I want to thank you for the opportunity I have tonight to share my thoughts on this word and just um, really guide me with your Holy Spirit, God. And I just pray you um, work in the student's heart as much as you worked in mine throughout this passage, God. Thank you again for this uh, great encouragement that you've given us in your word, God. And uh, I pray that really we'll take it seriously and apply it to your lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, I'm really happy to be here tonight. I hope you are. Um, I know most of you are excited to go to DQ afterwards, but i just like you to really hang in there. Uh, it's a really good passage, and it really did spoke to my heart, so it did speak to my heart. So I just pray that you listen carefully as well. So, I'd like to start by asking you a few questions. First of all, Have you ever felt like there was something that was too hard to do? Or have you ever felt like there was something that you were working really, really hard at, but you you almost knew like that you could never finish it or never accomplish it? Like the goal was too far beyond what you thought you could be able to do. Or maybe you ever felt like you were working so hard for something, but you knew that what you were working for was in vain. Here in Second Timothy, chapter one, verse six, down to verse twelve, we will explore together a exhortation that Paul was given to Timothy, a call, an, exit, an exhortation to persevere in what Timothy was doing. So I'll just read the passage again with you, and we're just going to break it down together. So, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But but be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who hath saved us, who hath saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But, but, I'm sorry, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. It's a really big passage. It's, there's a lot of things in there. And I'm just going to try and focus on one thing, one, what I think is the main theme of this passage, perseverance. I'd like to start with the first word, wherefore. Ryan talked last week about Timothy's faith, where he was coming from, but also Paul's uh, God, you know, like, if you remember Paul, at the moment he's writing this letter, 
He's in prison, and he knows that in a few days or weeks or months, he knows that his death is impending. It's coming really soon. So Paul is writing this letter to Timothy as an encouragement. Those are the last words of Paul recorded in the Bible. And wherefore, knowing the God of Paul, knowing the faith of Timothy, this is what Paul is going to base this new um, exhortation, this call to perseverance in the coming verses. So, well, um, the first thing that Paul wants to remind Timothy in his ministry is to stir up the gift of God. So, here's the thing. I'm French. So, every time I read the King James Bible, most of the time, at my first reading, I'm like, I have no idea what I just read because it's way too complicated. So, I read it about five times. And even after the fifth time, there are still words that I'm just not sure what the real meaning is. So when I read, okay, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. When I think of stirring, I think like stir the soup. But <laughs> I, was, I, I probably thought that it'd be something different, which is it a bit different. See, the word for stir up here means to rekindle, means to fan the flame, if we read the uh, English Standard Version, or keep at full flame. So just to give you an idea, a little bit of what it is, I don't know for you, but when I was a kid... I loved bonfire. I love camp. I love it. I love fire. It's so fun. I love to play with fire. <laughs> Not always a good idea, but I liked it. <laughs> so, see, when you make a fire, if you just make your fire, put your logs in there, put your paper, light the fire, and if you just let it go for probably an hour, if you don't touch it, let's say two hours, if you don't touch it, what's going to happen? I mean... The, the log will be consumed and all you will have left is coals. But if you stir up the fire, if you rekindle the fire, if you just keep stirring up, that's the word. Like if you take a stick and move the logs around, if you blow, that's, that's why I said that illustration, because I love to go with my father and blow on the coal and then see the fire coming back again. I thought that was so cool because even though the flame is dying out, you just blow once or twice and then the fire is all back again. But this is what Timothy had to do with his, uh, the gift of God. So, my first point here is that we need to persevere with our gift. God has given us a gift. And here, we see what the gift of God is. And Timothy had to keep that flame going. And I just want to say that it's not that Timothy's flame was dying out. But rather, Paul was telling Timothy to keep rekindling the flame. So Timothy was doing great. He had a good flame, but he had to maintain that flame. If he was to do nothing about it, not stirring it up, it would die out and just become a little bit of coal. So the word gift, because I, I mean, okay, the gift of God. What can the gift of God mean? It's the word charisma. Charisma is also found in 1 Corinthians 12, listing the many spiritual gifts and all the gifts um, in ministry that are given to us by the Spirit. So, really, the gifts that are talked about here, the gift of God, is mainly the gift in ministry, such as um, preaching, counseling, um, what I've written here, like teaching, admonishing. All those things are the gift of God speaking of here in this verse. And here, Timothy was reminded to use them because he knew... Okay, here's a situation. I'm sorry, sometimes I'm a little bit mixed in my thoughts, but here 
Timothy was in a really hard situation. You see, Paul was imprisoned because of his faith, because of his God. And Timothy, as he was in ministry, the pastor of that church, Paul was telling him, don't lose that flame, keep that flame alive, because there are a lot of false teachers, there are a lot of opposition. Timothy would have a lot of oppression from the outside, so that's why Paul is telling him to stir up the gift of God. And the gift of Timothy were the gift of preaching, the gift of teaching. So, and then there's a little interesting uh, phrase here. He says, which is in thee, the gift of God in Timothy, by the putting of my hands. So I'd like you to turn to 1 Timothy 4. Just a few pages before. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. It says here, neglect not the gift. We're talking about the same gift here, charisma. That is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on the hand of the laying of the hands of the presbytery. Presbytery refers to the elders of the church. So when Timothy was ordained by the church and all the elders, that's where he got his gift of God. That's where he got his gift for ministry. But what I think is really, really, really cool here is that Paul doesn't say, which is indeed by the putting on, of our, hand, our, our hands. He says, of my hands. So, here, Paul is making this very personal. Paul was an apostle. Back then, apostles had the ability of giving, um, of, I have the word here, of, to comfort spiritual gifts to other people. But we don't have such things today. We don't have apostles today. But here, Paul knew exactly Timothy. He knew exactly what the gifts of Timothy were because he himself gave those gifts to Timothy. So here, really in that first verse, we need to keep using our gifts that God has given us. Then, in verse 7, we see the Spirit of God. We read, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Here the fear is really referring to, um, it's referring to coward, okay, I'm sorry, cowardice, cowardice, or timidity. That's the kind of fear he's talking about. So, when we accept Jesus Christ, we receive His Spirit and we don't receive a spirit of, oh, I want to run away when I face opposition. I don't want to run away when I face something that's hard. No, here's the spirit that we have, a spirit of power. The power that is referred to here is um, the power of enduring. As you see, as we go through this passage, you see that things are getting harder and harder and harder. But Paul was telling Timothy to persevere. Why can he persevere? Because God has given him the gifts to persevere. But he also has given his, given his spirit to persevere. So, you know, like we all, it's really easy to quote the verse, um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Yeah, but really, we need to use that gift in a broader sense, the gift of strength and the gift of power through the spirit of God. He also given us a spirit of love, Spirit of love, we, with Ryan, every morning, well, not every morning, but this morning, we learned that we need to um, love our neighbor as ourselves. God is love. We know that from 1 John 4, 8. And also, we have the ability of loving God because He first loved us. It's 1 John four nineteen. So, there's a reason why Paul was especially mentioning that. It's because when you're facing opposition, when you're facing persecution, how hard is it to love your enemy? 
Even in Romans, we read in, I think it's chapter 13, that we need to love our enemies. We need to serve them. It's nothing easy, but in those times where it was really hard, where the gospel was to become illegal, when, when you stand for the gospel, you, have, you could risk to go in prison. You still need to love the people who would arrest you. You would still love the people who would be against you in court. Then, a sound mind. Sound mind, this is for you guys. Not that girls don't have a sound mind, but guys, it refers to leadership. It refers to leadership in the church, to be self-disciplined, sober-minded. Timothy needed to hear those words. He was a leader of a church, and there were really hard times. But when we'll be in ministry later, or back home, we need to have a sober-minded leadership. That means that when we um, face something, we're going to have a good reasoning. We're going to act soberly. We're going to have a thoughtful decisions. And we're going to have wise leadership. That's the idea of a sound mind. And not act foolishly or rashly decision-making. So, see, in those two verses, we see that we need to persevere with the gift that God has given us. That's good for everyone here. Then, this is where it's getting hard. We need to persevere in our calling. And our first call is our call to stand. Be not thou therefore ashamed. Therefore, the word here therefore refers to the gift of God that we've received. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. So here, we're not to be ashamed. What was Timothy not to be ashamed of? Jesus Christ, the work, of this, the work on the cross, but also Paul. We need to understand that back then, again, if you would mention Paul, you would automatically be referring to uh, those who believe in Jesus Christ. And it was becoming something really, really, um, something that was worthy of being in prison for. But Paul is saying, do not be ashamed. Keep going. Don't stop. And why can we do this? It's because God has given us His Spirit. Spirit of power. We can endure those things. We can endure what's going to be coming at us. We can be loving for those who are going to be oppressing us. And we can have a wise decision making because of His sound mind. And He says, be, But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. So to be parting of the afflictions, that means that when we stand for the gospel, are we really ready to accept everything that goes with it? Are we ready to face the persecution that goes with it? I wrote here, would you stand for something or someone knowing that the risk you could be imprisoned was really high? Not only was Timothy ready, had to be ready to be imprisoned if he had to for the sake of the gospel, but he was also willing to suffer for it. He was to be, to be partaking the afflictions that came with the gospel. Because it's one thing to stand for the gospel, but it's another thing to be willing to suffer for it. Yeah, that's what Timothy was called to do. That's what he was encouraged to do. And really, Paul was the best person to testify of that. He was being imprisoned for his stand for the gospel. And he was saying, Timothy, it's worth it. Do it. I know you'll be facing this, but don't stop. And we'll see why later. And 
I know you're thinking like, okay, well, suffer for the gospel. I've heard that like 100 million times. But it is true that today in Canada or North America, we don't really suffer for the gospel, do we? We don't go on the street and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ with the fear that somebody could throw us in jail. And it's something that we can thank God for. But that's even a better reason why we shouldn't be ashamed of that. See, Paul was being imprisoned, and he would say, I'm not ashamed. And be not ashamed. And by our own strength, to suffer for the gospel, I don't think we could be able to. It's really hard. But that's why Paul says to Timothy, according to the power of God, God has given us a spirit of power so we can endure. This power, this strength is coming from God. It's something that we should never forget. Because if it's our own strength, probably we're just going to be leaving and just letting it die or not stand for the cause that we're doing this. But the next part is really important too because we read this like, well, okay, well, not be ashamed, partake of the afflictions. All right, that seems a little bit harsh, but why would I do that? Well, the fact is we're called by grace. We're called to stand because God has saved us by grace. Notice the order here. It says at the end of verse, the power of God, who, who refers to God, hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. It's interesting how he saved us and then he called us. So, even before he called us, he saved us. And why did he save us? He saved us because he loved us. And think of it. While we were sinners, wicked, we couldn't do anything good. We didn't even love him. Yet he saved us. It's quite something to realize that an almighty God and perfectly holy God would love such a lost and wicked sinners as we are. And not only did he save us, but he called us with a holy calling. I'd like you to turn to Philippians 3.14. Just for a minute. So that's Philippians 3.14. It says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul then was addressing the church of Philippi. Another interesting fact, he was writing this when he was in prison too. Yet he knew that the high calling was from God. He was to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. He was to be persevering towards that calling. Another interesting fact is that he saved us, he called us with a holy calling, but not necessarily because we were worth it, or not, not that, no, that we were worthy. I'm sorry, that's really totally two different things. Not that we were worthy of it. Um, you juniors this year will have a class on Galatians, and you'll be learning a lot about the Judaizers and how they were preaching a gospel of works, and a gospel of legalism, legalism, but Paul was preaching a gospel of grace and faith. So really, 
Works are not why we're saved. Works are not why we're called. Even though the works justify our faith, but still, God saved us not for our works. And it's interesting to see that Israel, the old record of the Old Testament, is just Israel, the nation of Israel, trying to reach to God by their works. And it's never enough. All we see is their failure to do it or because they try so hard on the works, they forget God. God will eventually restore them, but it's not because of their own works that they can be saved. No. God saved us according to His own purpose and grace. See, I don't think we can ever fully understand why did God save us. Why did He decide to send His Son, I'm sorry, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us? I don't think our mind can fully grasp that. But the fact is that He loves us. His purpose makes it that He saved us because He wanted us to have eternal life. Why? We can't fully know. But we know that He did so. So why are we gonna, what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do to know that, okay, yes, okay, I'm saved. Yes, I'm a child of God. Okay, like, we can try as much as we can to understand it, but... Sometimes we need to put that aside and be, okay, well, God did save me. Be thankful for that. But I need to share that. I need, well, how can I serve him? How can, see, we need to go further than just understanding why he did this. I think the only reason why is because he loved us. And what is great about that grace that he's given us is that he was given the grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the world even began. So before you were even born, Christ loved us. Christ loved you. So I'm just putting myself into Timothy's shoes. Like, okay, I have all these people in my church. Some want to believe. Some want to just um, oppose what I'm teaching. Some are just some actually want my life, they want me dead. How am I supposed to handle all of that? See, Paul was telling him, Well, first of all, be not ashamed of what you believed in. But also, here's why you believe in this because God saved you and He loved you by grace and for His purpose. And that grace was made manifest by the appearing was not made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I like that part. You see, in the Old Testament, they, they knew a little bit that God was gracious, but they didn't really understand where was He going with it. Like, okay, He's gracious, but like, they could see some evidences, evidence. But today, we can look back and look at Jesus Christ. They didn't have Jesus Christ. They didn't have this perfect act of love on the cross they didn't understand what it was for God to be gracious and be loving towards the unworthy. But now, because we know that Jesus Christ came and died for us, we understand what grace is a lot better than they must have understood it. So there's really no reason for us to say, well, I'm not sure, I don't really understand what it means. I don't, I'm not sure if I should believe in Jesus Christ because, I mean, well, I don't really understand what grace is. Well, there's a reason why Paul was saying this to Timothy. 
Really, that grace was made manifest. It was being revealed. It was being made understood for us. Then he goes on by saying, who hath abolished death. Okay. Some of you may think, okay, well, David, what you're saying is not necessarily right because I'm still going to die soon. Well, maybe not soon, but, you know, eventually. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Everyone's going to die one day. So how can Jesus really abolish death? Well, the truth is, what Paul is referring here is that Christ, with the work on the cross, that's a hard word, annulled, 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 okay, you get the idea. Like he canceled the power of death over us. So, God canceled the power of death over us. See, before Jesus Christ, people would have faith in God. But now that we have Jesus, we have faith in Him still. But He conquered death. He bore our sins on Himself so that we could have a relationship with God. See, there was, I couldn't understand people of the Old Testament to be fearful of death. I couldn't understand them to be, I don't want to die. Like, I'm not sure what's after. Like, I don't, I'm not sure. Yes, there's someone who's coming soon, a Messiah. But, like, I don't know. He hasn't come yet, okay? I can understand them being fearful of that. But really, do we have a reason to be fearful of that? And why Paul was saying this was so good. I mean, Paul was facing death. Paul was about to die in just a few days or weeks. I'm not sure exactly when he died after that, but he was going to die. And he was telling Timothy, See, Jesus Christ, who saved you, who called you, has abolished death. He canceled the power of death because now when you die, you can go in heaven. See, Paul in his letter to Philippians said, in um, chapter 1, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He didn't see death as something that was bad. He didn't see death as something that was fearful or terrifying. He saw it as something that was great, a gain. I like this quote here from William MacDonald. Death was now simply the messenger of God which brings the soul of the believer to heaven. See, Timothy had really no reason to be afraid of dying for the sake of Christ because death had been abolished by Jesus Christ. I have just a few minutes left. I'll try to go a little bit fast. Um, then the second part says, um, and had brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. See, um, when we're facing death, it's hard to see light. It's hard to see, okay, I'm going to die, but it's okay. You know, okay, it's fine. I see light. I see the hope there. It's hard. But because Jesus Christ is in our life and because we know for sure that we'll have eternity in heaven, then there is light. Then I want to go to the next verse. We're on to, um, Paul is speaking uh, about the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. See, those are three of the gifts of God again. Like, those are things, God-given abilities in the ministry. And then again, in verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. The cause here is the gospel. 
Paul knew that what, why he was suffering, why he was in prison was the gospel. He knew exactly why. And he said, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. You see, he knew why he was imprisoned, and yet he did not regret anything. If you asked him, like, I like to go in heaven and say, Paul, you know, like that day you were in prison, like the day the guards took you and brought you in prison, did you wish you would have stayed home and sleep instead and not go in prison? I'm sure you would say, no, that was totally worth it. You see, in prison, he wrote that letter to Timothy, and it's our letter, it's, it's for us to read now. And this is the concluding thought. I mean, here's what he said at the end of verse 12. For I know who I am believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul knew exactly why he was going through this. He knew exactly why he was suffering. He knew exactly why. And the reason why is because Jesus Christ, who died for him, would keep the gospel prevailing. You see, Paul knew even though that he would die, that it wouldn't be the end. He knew that he would die, but the gospel would keep going forward. That was quite something for Timothy again, because I'm pretty sure that at that time, Paul was a pretty cool man. He was really, really popular. He was the one going to Asia, to Europe, and planting all those churches, and he was really well known. Pretty famous. And then when people knew that he was sending letters f- to pray for him because he was in prison, I'm sure a lot of them started to think, well, well what's going to happen if he dies? Or what's going to happen after that? Is it all going to be in vain? Are we just going to stop? Are we just going to give up all the churches? Paul's answer to that was no. Don't be ashamed. And I, I encourage you to partake of those afflictions because I know the one who I've committed my life to, I know the one who I've committed all my ministry to, is able to keep, is able to keep it. It says here, he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him, the gospel. Against that day, Paul is probably referring here to the coming of Christ for the church. See, Christ's return is something that we can definitely look forward to. But when we'll be in heaven, we'll have time to rejoice. But sadly, it'll be too late to share the gospel then. Again, sometimes there are things that we do that are maybe too hard to do or like we like the motivation to do it. Or we're working really hard at something again and we feel like it's in vain. Usually we get those feelings when it's about earthly things. But God, uh, Timothy was called to persevere in the gospel, persevere into his good works, persevere into the ministry he was called to, ordained to, persevere with the gift of God he was given, persevere in this tent for the gospel to not be ashamed. You see, there are a lot of things that we can spend time to and that we can dedicate our lives to. But if it's not for something that will go on forever even after we die, like, what's the matter? Really, I know here we won't, thank God, we won't suffer if we go in the street and proclaim Jesus Christ. It's, it's neat. It's really neat. It's a real blessing. But think about the abilities that God has given you. Think about every possible way you can serve in ministry. 
whether it's for other believers or if it's to be a teacher of the Gentiles, teacher of those who are not saved. Some people might be really good evangelists. Some of you might be really good uh, preachers. Whatever it is, use those gifts that God has given you. And here, the whole point here, Paul was telling Timothy is, just keep going. Persevere. Do not stop. Why? Because I know that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. He knows that what he stood for all his life since his conversion. He knew that he would, Jesus Christ would just take care of it and pass it on because the gospel will prevail. So, <laughs> I wrote that as the end of my notes. I said, Jesus Christ suffered for us. Are we willing to suffer for him? Again, I keep repeating, we might not suffer him. Amen. I mean, that's quite a blessing. But next time you go at work or you go home, you face unsafe family members, are you going to be ashamed what Jesus did for you? Had he showed his grace to you before the world even began? Are you going to be ashamed of that? Paul was in prison and he was not ashamed. And he was encouraging us not to be ashamed. So that's my encouragement for you tonight. Um, it's quite an encouragement for me as well. And I would just like to end in a word of prayer. Dear God, I want to thank you so much that you saved us and called us, God, to really dedicate our lives to you, God. I thank you that I thank you for this book, God, of Second Timothy that we can read and just be encouraged by God. Thank you that you can give us the power not to be ashamed, God. Thank you here today that we won't suffer physically, God, but it doesn't mean that we can't stand for you, God. God, I pray that you help us here at MBBI to discover our abilities and our gift, God, just so that we can minister to you, God. Thank you so much for tonight and just bless the rest of this evening and bless the rest of this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.